Welcome this week to our lesson as we continue to preach the word of Jesus Christ throughout all the world. We welcome you this day. We're looking at the Come Follow Me curriculum for the Old Testament. Once again, this is just a brief summary. We're just looking at different sections. We don't have time this year going all the way through the Old Testament in, in one year, but we're looking at several selections. This week, we'll be looking at some more chapters in this great book of Jeremiah. What a mighty prophet Jeremiah was, how he preached the word of God, how he preached the destruction, the forthcoming destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonian army. And that nevertheless, after 70 years, even, even saying very specifically how many years they would be in Babylonian captivity, the Lord God would raise them out, bring them out. By raising up Cyrus the Great to rescue the Jewish people, send them home to rebuild the temple. And of that same Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I testify as one of his witnesses that he lives today. He rose from the dead on the third day. He has a body of flesh and bones, as he said to his disciples in the upper room. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Hallelujah to his holy name. Let's look this week at Jeremiah. We'll look at some more great chapters here in this great book of Jeremiah. We welcome all of you for the, throughout the, all the world. We, whether you're listening to us on your buses and your taxis, uh, uh, whether you're walking and listening to it uh, with your headphones, wherever you are, <clears throat> whatever you're doing, we welcome you here today. Uh, we also was, uh, welcome special uh, Welcome to all the civic and uh, religious leaders that watch us. We do know, as uh, many of you uh, great pastors have reached out to us, that we know a lot of you are pastors of religion, that you're doing your best to uh, serve God in your own countries, many of which in which the gospel hasn't even been restored yet. So we, we know that uh, God will continue to bless you in your ministries and uh, helping to prepare as a John the Baptist type figure. Prepare the way of the Lord. He is coming forward and second coming. The gospel, the fullness of the gospel truth is coming to your nations soon. Just continue to pray for it and do your best to teach the knowledge and wisdom that you do have to prepare the people to receive the great and mighty king. <clears throat> we'll look at Jeremiah uh, chapter 20, uh, 30 through 33, but we do feel impressed. Uh, to uh, look at a couple of verses here in chapter 29. Uh, chapter 29, we'll look at first, verses 8 through 9. He says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name, I have not sent them, saith the Lord. A lot of people in today's world, in today's society, who go forward and they try to preach in the name of Jesus Christ. But as God says here, he has not sent them. He has not called them. In the New Testament, we'll look at next year in Matthew 7. He will say to them in the day of judgment, when they appear face to face before their king and their judge, Jesus Christ. And they'll say, but Jesus, in your name, we perform miracles. In your name, we prophesied. In your name, we caused healings. And we did all these great things. Then Jesus says, he will say to them, 
Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I do not know you. Depart from me. That's exactly in line here with Jeremiah 29. These people are not have not been sent by God. They have, they have not been instructed in the truth and knowledge and correct doctrine of God. Therefore, when they teach, they prophesy falsely as the accusation here of the Lord through Jeremiah. So it's important to seek unto those who have been instructed and who teach God's truth. His truth, his true doctrine, his true theology, uh, and the things that are taught here in the Bible and other scriptures. Uh, let's look now at uh, 10 through 14. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you. So exactly 70 years from the deportation of the first group, Daniel and his uh, friends, uh, they were in that first group, 70 years from there, I will, um, uh, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place once I cause you to be carried away captive. And so how important that is here, right? And I like this verse 13. And ye shall seek me and find me, not just simply when, oh, let's test God. Let's just pray and see if he shows up. <laughs> when you do what? Search for me with all your heart with a sincerity of heart, with a full purpose of mind, to reach out to God, then he will come unto you, he says here. Uh, let's look now at um, verse 31 through 32. Send to all of them the captivity. So uh, Jeremiah wants you to send an epistle to those uh, Jewish uh, people living in the captivity of Babylon now. And I want you to write, Thus saith the Lord concerning Shemaiah, the Nethahomite, because that Shemaiah hath prophesied unto you, and I did not send him, I sent him not. And he caused you to trust in a lie, right? He was not informed in true doctrine. He didn't have the spirit of God. I, God, did not send him forth to preach in my name. Therefore, he ended up teaching false doctrine, right? Now, what's the punishment, right? You know, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I do not know you, right? So in verse 32, therefore, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will punish Shemaiah the Nehelamite and his seed, and he shall not have a man to dwell among this people. They shall be cast out, right? Neither shall he behold the good that I will do for my people, saith the Lord, because he had taught rebellion against the Lord. So once again, a person went out, preached in the name of God. God did not send them. Therefore, God has forsaken this person and his seed. 
He's cast them out of the heavenly kingdom. They shall not have an inheritance with his people. Stark warning to all those who want to go forward and preach in God's name and have not been called by God to do so. All right, 30, we'll look at chapter 30, verse 1 through 3. The word that came to, Je to Jeremiah from the Lord say, and we see that many times here in Jeremiah, right? What's Jeremiah doing? Is he going forward and just preaching, uh, you know, what, what's on his mind, his own opinions, what, what, what he should be, you know, what should be taught and what should be uh, preached? Uh, no, right? He preaches only what God tells him to preach, right? What does he do in the meantime, right? He prepares himself spiritually. So when the word of the Lord comes unto him, he goes forward and preaches that. We looked at this last week and, you know, kind of towards the beginning of lesson last week, right? If you're going to be an apostle, a prophet, uh, some sort of religious leader, you don't just go voice your own opinion. God did not call you to, to uh, speak your own personal opinion. God does not care about your personal opinion. He only cares about his mind and will for the people. He wants to speak to the people through you. But you got to be willing to listen to him and speak that word and and not add thereunto anything unto the word of God uh, by in terms of personal opinions or or personal thoughts on any matters, just as Jeremiah did. He would not preach until God spoke to him. Then he went forward and he spoke exactly what God told him to say. So once again, the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah, saying, thus speaketh the Lord God of Israel, saying, write thee all the words that I have spoken unto thee in a book, right? A book of scripture, the book of Jeremiah. He says here, for lo, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will bring again the captivity of my people. Israel and Judah, saith the Lord, and I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers. And they shall possess it. They shall redeem. And they did beginning in 1948 when the state of Israel came into existence once again after 2,000 years. This was 2,700 or so years before that that Jeremiah prophesied this literal fulfillment. Some of you were alive in 1948. You've seen this with your own eyes during your lifetime. The fulfillment of marvelous prophecy of the Lord. Let's look at 15. Why are you crying for your afflictions? Your sorrow is incurable for the multitude of your iniquity. Your sorrow is, un is incurable. You, you can't have your sorrow. Why are you even crying about it, right? You're supposed to be suffering because you forsook the Lord and you have to suffer the consequences of your sins. You did not lay claim upon Jesus Christ and his atonement for you. Therefore, it must needs be that you suffer with suffering caused even God, the greatest of all, to bleed from every poor and so forth, as that great verse in the Doctrine and Covenants mentions. It says, because thy sins were increased, I have done these things unto you. You shouldn't even be crying about it. You deserve this. I warned you this would happen. I warned you many, 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 many times before I brought this upon you. 
Now you have to suffer the consequences. There's no point of crying. You did this to yourselves. 22 through 24. But yet as they repent and come unto the Lord, he's going to bring them out of captivity or out of even spiritual captivity. This is being more physical here, but spiritual captivity in your own life. You come out of spiritual captivity and come forward. And, and, and in verse 22, and ye shall be my people and I will be your God. Behold, the whirlwind of the Lord go forth with fury, a continuing whirlwind. It shall fall with pain upon the head of the wicked. And we looked at this before in the prior uh, lessons. What this means is just the way that Jeremiah, with a limited vocabulary, is explaining what he's seen going on in the skies as Jesus Christ is coming back, describing this whirlwind, this fire coming down from the heavens. He's not flying like Superman through <laughs> through the heavens, right? We talk about that a lot of times, right? Jesus is not flying in the clouds when he comes back, right? Can you imagine? You look up, see, you know, I think I see Jesus, but now this other cloud moved in front of him. I can't see now whether he's there or not, right? That's not how Jesus is coming back. I know that some people describe coming back in the clouds of heaven. That does not mean to be taken literal that he's really coming back floating, flying like Superman through the clouds, right? We've looked at this several times before. So here this whirlwind of the Lord goes forth with fury, a continuing whirlwind. They're hearing these noises of these things flying around in the spaces. The angels are coming out. They're shooting fire down from heaven, consuming all the wicked. We've seen dozens of scriptures over the last three years referring to these events. It shall fall with pain upon the head of the wicked. Yeah, they're seeing them get consumed. By fires coming down from heaven. The fierce anger of the Lord shall not return until he hath done it, and until he hath performed the intents of his heart in the latter days. When will this take place? In the latter days, right? As part of the second coming. Ye shall consider it. So powerful uh, chapter 30 here. Let's look at 31, verse 3. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, Jeremiah, right? I, I fulfilled it. I'm a prophet. I, the Lord, will appear unto him in a dream and speak to, you know, in a vision, speak to him in a dream. I, Jeremiah, saw the Lord. I am a prophet. I wasn't just called or appointed by my church body uh, to be some sort of prophet, to, right? He was qualified to be a prophet because he saw God. He saw the Lord. That's Never has that qualification changed. That is the basic qualification of a prophet, as Jesus, as God himself declared in Numbers 12, 6. How do you know that there's a prophet among you? I, God, will appear to him in a vision and speak to him in a dream. I, Jeremiah, saw God, right? I am a prophet. He says here, um, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with kindness have I drawn thee. Verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, O ye nations, and declare it in the isles afar of, and say, He that scattered Israel will yet gather Israel, and keep him as a shepherd doth his flock. 16 through 17. 
Thus saith the Lord, refrain thy voice from weeping and thy eyes from tears. For thy work shall be rewarded, saith the Lord, and they shall come again from the land of the enemy. And there is hope in an end, saith the Lord, that thy children should come again to their own border. Once again, fulfilled in 1948 and is continuing to be fulfilled in our own day. 18 through 20. I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself. Ephraim the greatest, the most wicked tribe out of all of them, right? I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself thus. Thou hast chastised me and I was chastised as a bullock and accustomed to the yoke. Turn now me and I shall be turned for thou art the, the Lord my God. And since 1830, we have seen this full prophecy being fulfilled as the tribe of Ephraim indeed is repenting of their sins, coming unto the Lord, being baptized into his restored church and kingdom upon the earth. 19. Surely after that I was turned, I repented. And after that I was instructed. I smote upon my thigh. I was ashamed, yea, even confounded, because I did bear the reproach of my youth. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he a pleasant child? For since I spake against him, I do earnestly remember him still. God still remembers the tribe of Ephraim, despite how wicked they were in the Old Testament. And he would bring them forward and even give them responsibility for beginning the restoration of the gospel in the latter days. Therefore, my bowels are troubled for him. I will surely have mercy upon him, saith the Lord. 31 through 34. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord. Right? Apostasy, after the apostasy, the days are coming. I'm bringing back my church. The days come, saith the Lord, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Not, not like the Mosaic covenant with Moses, which my covenant they break. <laughs> Although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days that have darkness and apostasy upon the earth, nearly 2,000 years of such. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. I will, and will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall teach no more. Every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. The, uh, uh, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Repent. God chooses not to remember your sin anymore. You can receive the true covenants, the true ordinances of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. So you need to take advantage of that. Reach out to the missionaries and let them know you're ready to take upon yourselves the name of Jesus Christ and become a baptized member of his church and kingdom. Taking upon yourself the name of Jesus Christ, becoming a Christian. Okay, so that takes care of verse 34 and 36. If those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, so now that the gospel's been restored in the latter days, if the people reject God once again and uh, 
and break his ordinances, depart from the performing true baptism by those who hold the priesthood and authority of God upon the earth. If, these, if those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. He will reject the tribes of Israel. He will reject the covenant with the household of Israel of faith. Okay, chapter 32 begins. Jeremiah is in prison because he preached that the Babylonians are coming to town. They're going to destroy the kingdom of Judah, and they're going to take the king and lead him off to Babylon. The king didn't like that, so he shut up Jeremiah in a prison. Uh, let's look at 9 through 17 of chapter 32. And he uh, does a great investment here, right? Uh, uh, you know, a lot of the great investments, uh, you know, that people have always talked about from, uh, you know, either like Warren Buffett or other great uh, w uh, world known investors is what do they do? They they buy at the time of the greatest concern, the greatest worry when everyone is, everyone is concerned. That's when they come in and, and buy. Here, Jeremiah is going to show that example of how to get rich through investing here in chapter 32 of uh, Jeremiah, right? So he's talked about here that he, uh, uh, you know, the Babylonians are coming. They're going to destroy Jerusalem. So what does he do here? His cousin comes, offers him his land, and so he buys it for a really cheap price, right? Knowing that God had foretold that even though they're going to be led off to Babylon, in the future God will bring them back from there and that Jeremiah's descendants can end up becoming rich if they then decided to sell this land for a much higher price after they returned to Israel uh, than, uh, you know, be, at, at this time. So here he makes this great deal. He calls Baruch and he calls the witnesses together and he makes this real estate transaction for pennies on the dollar that he's going to end up making a lot of money. Now, what does he next do in the next few verses? Does exactly what people should do if they're going to invest their money, right? You pray to God and ask God to bless it, right? So he reminds God of his covenant that he would, while he's going to let the people be destroyed and let off to Babylon, God has promised he will let the Jewish people come back, right? God, he's praying over his investment there, right? So this great chapter 32. And let's look at um, 36 through 42. And now, therefore, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning this city, Jerusalem, whereof you say it shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence. Behold, I will gather them out of all countries, whether I have driven them in my anger and in my fury and in great wrath, and I will bring them again into the place, and I will cause them to dwell safely. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. And I will give them one heart, and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them. Good to fear the Lord, right? And of their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good. But I will what? Put my fear in their hearts so that they shall not depart from me, right? Only if people learn to fear and respect God are they scared and want to keep God's commandments and not upset him. When they preach this false Jesus that's popular uh, in society today, that Jesus just 
loves everybody. He's just tolerant everybody. You can sin however you want because God just loves, loves, loves. He's this great God of love, 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 love. Well, first of all, that's not God. Uh, that's not the God that exists. That's not the God that has ever existed. That's not the God that exists now. That's not the God that will exist in the end times when he comes forward in these whirlwinds to destroy the wicked by fire, right? That's the, uh, the thing about that. There's a major problem, right? But by teaching this love, love, tolerance, 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 then there's no need to keep God's commandments. God just loves me and I'll be fine and, and my neighbor and, and my friends, and they can sin however they want. And God just is a God of love. love. Love, He just loves all the wicked. He just loves, loves them. There's no need for them to keep God's commandments, right? It, 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 so one of the, that's one of the great strategies that Satan has in today's society is to just say, Oh, God is a God of love. Oh, he loves you. Oh, he loves you. Do whatever you want. God loves, loves, loves you. It's totally contrary to biblical doctrine. It's contrary from Genesis 1-1 all the way through Revelation chapter 22, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, as a, as we learn multiple places in Proverbs and Psalms, all, 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 the, all across the scriptures. Keep talking about needing to have the fear of God. Hear God saying, I will put my fear in them so that it would be good for them, right? So they'll keep my commandments. You need to learn to fear God if you're ever going to be faithful in keeping his commandments. Don't believe this false Jesus that the, the wicked people are teaching today. This love, 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 love. It's, it's not true. That's not Jesus Christ. Jesus loves you, yes. But he also is going to punish you if you don't do what he says. Very clear, right? All the way through. Just read the Bible. It's all the way there. Can't, few doctrines can be any more basic than that, right? He's not just love, love, love. He's perfect in love, but he's perfect in justice. He's perfect in judgment. He's perfect in punishment. He's perfect in all these things at the same time as being perfect in love and forgiving and, and, and these sort of things. So you need to keep that the 100% Jesus. Don't worship 50% Jesus, a, a half of the Jesus, that just the qualities that, that you want to look for in Jesus because you're otherwise you would be scared and terrified of him. No, we need to see Jesus for who he is, the 100% of all his characteristics, all his personal uh, attributes. Okay, so then that pretty much, um, let's see. In 41, yea, I will rejoice over them to do them good. God wants to do people good. He wants to rejoice over them. And I will plant them in this land as surely with my whole heart and with my whole, whole soul. That's what he wants. So don't provoke him to anger. That's why I always use that language. They provoked me to anger, right? I didn't want to be angry with them, but they provoked me to anger. 42, for thus saith the Lord, like as I have brought all this great evil upon this people, so will I bring unto them all the good that I have promised them. Perfect, right? Perfect. And is bringing upon good upon the people and bringing evil upon the people. Perfect. In both, not just one. He doesn't just want to bless you only. He does want, you know, <laughs> that's ideally his preferred way, right? But he's not going to only bless, 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 bless you. He's going to bring judgment, justice pestilence, famine, uh, afflictions, boils, 
health issues, all kinds of things upon you, right? Okay. Let's look now at chapter 33. And once again, verse 1, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah. The second time, I was shut up in the court of the prison. Second time in prison. He's not preaching, right? He's not preaching until God speaks to him. Then he goes and doesn't preach Jeremiah's personal philosophy, Jeremiah's personal opinions. He preaches exactly what God told him to say. Thus saith the Lord, the maker of the heavens and the earth, the Lord that formed it, to establish it. The Lord is his name. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. How do you receive revelation? You ask for it, right? Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Now, in those days, they didn't have all the scriptures that we have today, right? So they would study and learn what they could, ask God for more, and he'd give them revelation. Now, in today's society, we have what? The Old Testament, the New Testament, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, the Pearl Great Price, right? A lifetime of learning, right? So in today's society, you have to really be studying hard, trying to learn all you can from the scriptures, then come unto the Lord and ask for that additional further light and knowledge. Most people will never make it to the point that God will show them these uh, things, as he says here, show them great and mighty things, because they don't even read this. This is already great and, great and mighty things that he wants to show to you. You need to study this, spend hours, you know, every day, every day of your life in this for year after year after year. Then he may show you additional mighty and might and greaty things, but he's going to, this already the might and great things, that, you know, mighty and great, uh, uh, great and mighty things already here. So begin here, study all of this. Then God will give unto you further light and knowledge. When you read, sit down to read the scriptures. Don't just open them and just start reading. You pray and ask God to open your spiritual eyes and your spiritual understanding that as you read the scriptures today, God will bless you, open them up to your heart and to your mind and give you additional light and knowledge upon that what you're already reading. But that's the first step. You got to read. You can't just sit around, not read and ask God, just bless me with great and mighty wisdom, <laughs> bless me with great and mighty knowledge, help me understand all the scriptures, but yet I'm not even willing to open it and start reading. That's the first step. Open and read the scriptures. Then he can bless you with all these great and mighty things. Uh, verse 10, uh, verse 10 through 11. Thus saith the Lord, again, there shall be heard in this very place, Jerusalem, that shall be destroyed, burned to the ground by the Babylonians. This temple shall be destroyed. Yet in this very same place, he says, Again, there shall be heard, which shall, ye shall say, be desolate without man and without beast, even in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate without man and without inhabitants and without beast. You shall hear in these very streets in Jerusalem the voice of joy, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of them that shall say, praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And of them that shall bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause to return the captivity of the land as that first saith the Lord. I'm bringing them back to this very desolate land, just as they were here at first. They shall be here in the end 
of this world. And, uh, you know, you shall, they shall have happiness and peace and joy. Let's look now at 14 through 21. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, I will perform that good thing which I promised unto the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. And those days and at that time will I cause the branch, Jesus Christ of righteousness, to grow up unto David, little descendant of King David. And he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. And those days shall Judah be saved and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And this is the name whereof she shall be called the Lord our righteousness. For thus saith the Lord, David shall never want a man to sit upon the throne of the house of Israel. Jesus and his descendants shall sit upon the house of, of David, the, the, the throne of the house of Israel forever and ever and ever and ever. Neither shall the priests, the Levites, want a man before me to offer burnt offerings and to kindle meat offerings and to do sacrifice continually. And the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah saying, so once again, right? The word of the Lord comes unto Jeremiah before he goes out and preaches. Thus saith the Lord, if ye can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of the night, I've appointed the sun and the moon to be uh, uh, these, uh, you know, make covenants with them to rule the night and the day. He says, um, uh, uh, and that there should not be a day and night in their season. Then if you're somehow able to break it so that the moon doesn't shine and the sun doesn't shine, then may also my covenant be broken with David, my servant, that he should not have a son to reign upon his throne and with the Levites, the priests, my ministers, right? So just as unlikely as it is that you're going to figure out how to cause the moon to stop shining and the sun to stop shining, so it is unlikely that you're going to prevent uh, the uh, the uh, descendants of Jesus, whether spiritual or whether literal, from sitting upon the, his the throne of David. His descendants, whether you want to look at it spiritually or literally, will be sitting upon the throne of David forever and ever. It would be just as hard to break that covenant as it would be to stop the sun from shining and the moon from shining and giving us light in the night. All right, moving on to chapter 36. What a great lesson again uh, this week here in Jeremiah. Uh, chapter 36, verse 1 through 3. And it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take thee a roll of a book, and write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel, and against Judah, and against all the nations from the day I spake unto thee, from the days of Josiah, even unto this day. In verse 3, it may be that the house of Judah will hear of all the evil that I propose or purpose to do unto them, and that they may return every man from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. It keeps it keeps giving them every chance, right? Keeps giving them a chance. But why does he do that? He has seen that before, right? Remember Jonah in his mission to Assyria. Repent for my God over here in Israel. I know you worship your own God, but my God over here, Jehovah, he says, if you don't repent, he's going to destroy Nineveh in the next 30 days, right? What do the people do? They all put sackcloth and ashes and they repent and God spares the city. So he saw Assyria do it. Why can't Israel do it, right? And so he keeps hoping. 
He keeps sending this warning message that hopefully they will turn unto him. And then we get the story of Baruch. So Baruch, uh, his scribe, goes forward and goes to the house of the Lord and reads Jeremiah's book of scripture because Jeremiah's still shut up in the prison. Uh, then the scribes call Baruch uh, to go visit them. And they have Baruch read to them the words. Uh, they think this is important. The king should hear this. So uh, they uh, go and tell king. Uh, the king finds out about this uh, book of scripture. He, he brings it to his uh, palace. He has one of his advisors read it to him. He gets so angry as they begin to read this book that he, he throws it into the fire. Basically here it gets burned. And so then in, um, so, so it gets burned up, right? And so then, you know, God says again, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, yet these things will be fulfilled and that king will end up in uh, Babylonian captivity. He says, uh, so write another book of scripture, right? Just like you did in the first one. So verse 32, let's see, in verse 31, and I will punish him and his seed and his servants for their iniquity and I'll bring upon them and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, upon the men of Judah, all the evil that I pronounce against them, but they hearken not. Then took Jeremiah another roll and gave it to Baruch, the scribe, the son of Neriah, who wrote there from the mouth of Jeremiah all the works, all the words of the book which Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had burned in the fire. So they reproduced all those same prophecies through the same Holy Ghost. They gave it the first time, gave it the second time. And there were added besides unto them many other like words. So they even now had additional prophecy, additional revelation here in this book of Scripture. All right, now we get Lamentations. Now, Lamentations, again, historically and by traditions written by Jeremiah, now that the Babylonians come in, fulfill these prophecies, destroy, raise to the ground Jerusalem, all the people, all the houses, they destroy the temple of the Lord, and they lead the people of Babylon off to the Babylonian captivity, all these things literally fulfilled. And so then Jeremiah writes this book of Lamentations in which he's just, you know, very sorrowful for all the things that happened, um, you know, to Jerusalem and, and to the kingdom of Judah. So we don't have time to, to look at that here, but uh, we'd encourage you to, to read all of the book of Lamentations, not very many pages. And we'll look at just a couple of verses here in chapter 3, uh, verses 31 through 33. For the Lord will not cast off forever, right? Even though he allowed the Babylonians to come in to conquer Jerusalem, he will not cast off forever. But though he caused grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercy. Still perfect, perfect in his judgment. He's still perfect in his mercy. So he, through his mercies, he will still have compassion at those who he had to punish. For he doth not afflict willingly. He doesn't, he doesn't want to do it. He does it if the people provoke him to anger. If the people reject him, he has no choice but to do it. But he does not willingly uh, afflict, nor grieve the children of man. So turn aside to the right of man before the face of the Most High. Right, and So there's always the invitation from the Lord to come back to him, you know, you know, turn back to the Lord so he can bless you. 
Turn back to the Lord so he doesn't have to curse you. Turn back to the Lord so he can bless you with joy, happiness, and peace in your lives. For those of you who are not yet members of this church and kingdom upon the earth, we welcome you. We welcome you to reach out. I will put in the description of this video a link. Reach out to those missionaries. Let them know you're willing to take upon yourselves the name of Jesus Christ, becoming a Christian, being baptized by those who hold the priesthood and authority of God so that you can be blessed with this peace, this joy, this happiness. He has continued to promise over and over and over again in the scriptures. These, these blessings can indeed be yours if you first make the decision to do so, then take course of action, reaching out to the missionaries, and then let them help you with the things you need to do to prepare yourself to enter the joy of the waters of baptism. For those of you found in activity in the church, you know how you felt before when you were full member of the church. Come back so you can have joy and peace in your lives once again. Come back to the community and saints of the Lord God Most High. God, we ask God to bless all of you uh, this day and this week. Uh, to bless you in your incomings and in your outgoings, that you have the basic financial resources to accomplish everything God would have you do this week in terms of maybe going to a job or going to work or uh, you know, going to your school or whatever uh, service opportunities that he may put in your path. We, we bless you to, to have uh, the Spirit of God with you to grant unto you revelation as to how you can help serve those that uh, you come into contact with that need to be touched by the hand of the Lord, that you can be his instruments in helping uh, the people and the, their struggles in life and their trials in life, and, and that you can look for opportunities to uh, share the gospel. He will bless you with opportunities if you will be willing to do so with all your heart. He will bless you this week with opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ so that you can be blessed. You can have joy and happiness as you lead those unto him. In closing, we once again testify that the things that we have discussed today are true. God, the Almighty Heavenly Father, exists. He is our Heavenly Father. He is the very Father of our spirits within our bodies. He is the literal Father of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Redeemer, our King, our all. We leave with you this blessing, and we leave with you this testimony, this witness this day. And God bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.